Welcome back to PorterCast. It's Kelsey. This week's guest is Dennis Barth. He's the bass player for Stone Dust Riders, and he's also a filmmaker. We sat down and talked about him making, uh, him putting together uh, Music City, Maryland, which basically is an in-depth look at the Catonsville scene that he was a part of. Um, and the, the premiere of that will be coming up soon. I'll give you some details in a second. First, I want to get to some housekeeping type stuff. So apparently there's another podcast that decided to go ahead and use the name QuarterCast, even though they were aware of this one uh, through a Google search, I guess. Um, So basically at this point, I'd rather just let both exist. If anyone's having trouble finding this podcast, please let me know because then I'll reach out to them and see if we can sort this out. The other point of business is I decided to deactivate my Facebook account. So there's, because of that, there's no longer a corridor cast Facebook page, but, um, but that's all right. You can still, you can still check out the website and the address for that is corridorcast.wordpress.com. Uh, and you can still reach me on Twitter at Kelsey on guitar, K-E-L-S-I-O-N-G-U-I-T-A-R. And of course, the best way is probably through the Quartercast email. So that's Quartercast at gmail.com. So those are the best way to reach out to me now. But um, the best way to stay up on the latest episodes, of course, is to subscribe. It should be available on your favorite Apple or Android podcast app. Um, if you're not able to find it to subscribe, again, let me know. Send an email to quartercast at gmail.com. And so with that said, let's get to this conversation with Dennis Barth. So the Music City Maryland Festival and premiere will be Saturday, May 18th. From 4 to 11 p.m. That's at Jennings Cafe in Canesville. And it's going to feature former guests of the show, Society Fringe Players. It's going to feature Stone Dust Riders, Dennis's band. Uh, Canceled Stamps will be there. Roscoe Stanford will be there. And um, so and others. And so all of those bands are featured in the movie, which is a very cool idea. Taking a look at a very specific moment of time, a very specific network of uh, uh, school friends that that created all this music but I'll uh, I'll jump off here and let uh, let Dennis do the talking but yeah as always send me new bands to listen to I gave you the contact information and I will see you next time bye hey everybody welcome back to another quarter cast uh, today's kind of a special interesting episode uh, I'm talking with Dennis Barth today how you doing Dennis I'm doing good how are you today doing all right um, he's the bass player for um, Stone Dust Riders, but also I wanted to talk about a movie you're making. Um, so it's, uh, make sure I get the title right, it's Catonsville Music City, Maryland. That's correct, yep. So let's just mm. jump right into that. Why, uh, like, mm. what made you want to make this documentary? Okay, well, it's funny. I um, I lived in Catonsville. I grew up in Catonsville my whole life, and I moved back here, I want to say, um, I guess about a year and a half ago. And I live on this street in Catonsville. It's called Glenwood Avenue. So Glenwood Avenue, at the bottom of the street where it, where it runs into Frederick Road, I have a dog that we walk every day, and there's this mural that was painted on there. Uh, you may have seen it coming into Catonsville today, but mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's a mural. It has a bunch of musicians painted on there, and the mural is titled Catonsville Music City, Maryland, is, what's, is what the header is on the mural. 
So I kind of had this idea when I was out at a show that, um, you know, there's a story to be told. Um, I've gotten into a lot of documentaries probably more recently, I'd say over the last five or six years. I've been watching all these rock documentaries. And I thought it would be a good idea to tell a story of not just, um, you know, we've all seen the story of Joe Strummer, John Lennon. We've all seen those stories as rock documentaries. A lot of them have been done. They're brilliant. But uh, there's something to be said about the... I would call it maybe the blue collar work, the blue collar musician, the Mm -hmm. guys that are in the trenches, the guys and girls that go out and play these shows and they're playing, uh, you know, hours away. They lug all their stuff, all their equipment in a van. They get there and, uh, you know, they might play for a half hour and they might not even get paid. So, you know, there's a lot of stories. (laughs) You all know that one, right? (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, you, you see this all the time, you know, you nobody's doing this for for money you know it's not about the money it's about it's about creating it's about the bond the forms um the lifelong friendships and this is a 30-year story of of friends of mine um a lot of us met in high school at mount st joe high school uh which is right on the east side of catonsville right across the line over there in irvington which is baltimore so um we've held that friendship throughout uh the last 30 years so um you know, and it's not just a story about music, although that is primarily the focus. It's it's about the friendships. It's, it's about the ups and downs, the everyday lives. You know, there's definitely some tragedies that we touch upon. You know, we've lost some people along the way. There's um, there's also the you know the, which ties into the to the music scene is is a big in Catonsville is the art scene. Uh, the art scene really went hand in hand with this thing because a lot of us met in art class at Mount St. Joe. So, you know, uh, a band called Juice that's in this thing, you know, they did a flyer for every show and there's hundreds and hundreds of these flyers and every single one of these flyers is a piece of art. Um, a friend of mine who's who's in this film a lot, his, his name is Ian Herrick. He's probably one of the greatest artists I've ever met. And uh, he, he's not a musician, but he came to all the shows. He did a lot of the flyers and the artwork and the album artwork. Um, uh, so that story, as well as another side of, of the Music City, Maryland, is really when we're talking about Catonsville, we're talking about in the 80s and 90s was the skateboard scene around here. Yeah. It was it was enormous, you know. And we have two guys primarily featured in this film. One of them, his name is Cabbage. Now, Cabbage plays in my current band now, Stone Dust Riders. He's the drummer for Stone Dust Riders. Cabbage uh, was a pro skater. He went pro. He actually was uh, touring the world. He was over there in Japan. So his story is going to be told in this thing. The skateboard scene and the music coming out of the skateboard scene back in the 80s was the primarily the influence of the music that we started to create you know in the late 80s or in the early 90s so that scene really influenced us another person was Derek Krasowskis who here another pro skater you know Cabbage was more the street the street skater type Derek Krasowskis was more the guy that's that skated vert you know the vertical ramp so um he's not a musician but he was basically a lifelong friend again a guy that went to Mount St. Joe used to go to all of our shows we used to all go down to the loft back in the loft days you know the punk rock clubs down there so but uh you know there's there's something to be said about you know the guys that play music for your entire life you're not gonna you're not hitting the big times you're not making the big money but you're doing it because you love to do it you're out there you know cabbage has a has a place we call the compound it's a garage off his property, you know, and, and we're out there in the summertime. You know, I mean, we're 47, 48 year old men. 
Sometimes it's, you know, there's no air conditioning in there. It's 100 yeah. degrees in there. You know, there's a scene where our, our guitar player, Sean, is drenched and sweaty sitting there talking. I'm doing an interview, and his shirt's soaking wet. I mean, that's just what you do. Wintertime, you know, you have a little space heater. You know, it's it's 20 degrees in there, but you, you do it for the love of doing it. It's not about, you know, making getting famous or, or you know, or trying to be on, on the big stage or, or being popular. It's none, it has nothing to do with it. It's passion. It's a lifelong passion. So that's that's interesting. So the the mm. film kind of in, to sum it up, it encapsulates uh, it encapsulates some of the the bands that you grew up with and their connection to skateboarding and the mm. high school. Um, yeah. So yeah. what are, what are some of the bands you talk about that people might um, be interested in knowing about? Sure. Yeah. Well, well, I'll take you through it. I mean, the first the first band we we touch upon in the film is is the band Juice. Um, these guys I, I drove to school with uh, in my junior senior high school. Kurt Reisenweber, Josh Bolton, Brent Knuckle. Um, Brent Knuckle actually went to Catonsville High School. He's one of the few that, that did not go to St. Joe. And uh, and then so it was Kurt Reisenweber, Josh, and then um, Kevin Beebe. All 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 three of them are St. Joe guys. So. They're more of uh, of an influence, I would say. I would call a minor threat. You know, tried to be Black Sabbath, maybe. I, I don't know how you would describe their music, but it's it's got the punk rock edge. So, so we start with Juice. You know, Juice was out there in '89 to about '94, '95. At the same time, uh, I was in a high school band called Feedback, where we were just a cover band. So we we talk a little bit about that in the film. But we played all the big parties in Catonsville. Um, I mean, we did. Guns N' Roses, Metallica. I mean, we played all the heavy stuff back like then. Covers or? Yeah. We were a cover band, yeah. But we would, we would touch upon doing Grateful Dead songs and stuff like that. So we did everything. That band evolved into a, another band called Sporadic Sun Jam, which I played in with Ryan Bowen, Joe Gallagher, and Paul DeBoy, the same guys that played in Feedback. We started writing all our own music. We, we, we recorded a couple, uh, couple albums, and uh, we were offered, you know, through the owner of Max's on Broadway in Fells Point, we were offered, you know, a deal to, to really, that could have really, you know, propelled us into the big time. Uh, it was pretty tempting, but they wanted power of attorney. Long story short, they wanted to control everything, so we told them, that nah, well, that's not why we, that's not why we make music or play music. So, um, that band still to this day has reunions. We just played at the Caton uh, back in August of last year. So we still we still play every few years. Our singer lives in Florida. We would probably play more if, if he was in town, but the rest of us are around here. Yeah, it's a bit of a hike. Um, so then there was Sporadic Sun Jam. Then there was a band I was in with Dave Linnentude, uh, Porky, and uh, Brian Lutz was also in this band. And Joe Gallagher, we were called Circle Nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Circle Nine played in the mid '90s, uh, and then they, after I left the band, they continued to play. I think into the mid 2000s, um, more of a hard, harder edge, hard rock band. I would say hard rock with a sort of a country flavor, yeah. a little bit of a country flavor, a little twang to it. Yeah, but but it's I would say more so. It's it's pretty it's hard rock as compared to like Sun Jam, which was more of like a jam band sort of a style. Um, so from Circle Nine, it, it goes into um, some of the bands. A friend of ours that we that we lost near and dear to my heart, Jeff Newman, who passed away two years ago. Oh, uh, he was in multiple bands with Cabbage and uh, another guy that I'm playing with now in Stone Dust Riders named Sean Kearney. So we touch upon uh, Melee, Bull Dust, and a band called um, Lumber, which was pretty pretty popular. Uh, another guy named Matt Pitroff was in that band. So. Um, there's also, it's funny because a lot, there's a lot of relatives that I have 
in Catonsville, growing mm-hmm. up around here. So uh, basically, we were, we're part of what's called the Nolan clan, the Nolan family. <laughs> and um, the drummer of Sporadic Sun Jam and Feedback is my cousin, Ryan. Um, actually, Eddie Tolan, who's actually was sitting over here a few minutes ago when I walked in, he actually played with us in feedback he's our, our cousin guitar player singer and we have two other guys okay so they're they're the younger generation they're about 10 years younger than mm-hmm. us they're in a band called the players band so uh they're again they're from catonsville they went to saint joe but I, I, they, like sort of the next generation but they're a ska reggae band okay. and they're called the players band and the, the drummer is our cousin andy and the guitar player songwriter he plays keyboards and guitar is Dan Schneider. Um, so we uh, we basically touch upon them, uh, and then we go into Society Fringe Players, which is Dave Linnitude's band with Brian Lutz, um, and then um, multiple drummers in that. So I won't, I can't name them all. Uh, but there's rotating drum cast. Uh, yeah, and then we finished it up the story with the Stone Dust Riders, and then how Cabbage and I and Sean Kearney got together, um, and it's um, and how you know. Through 30 years, starting back in 89, we're, we're still playing. You know, we're all in our late 40s now, and we love to do it, and we're going to do it the rest of our lives. And, um, you know, it touches upon, um, like I said, mentioned before, some of the tragedies. There's some people we've lost along the way, but um, but there's also some really killer stories, funny stories. Um, you know, I, I can't really take credit for the film. You know, all I did was put the camera in front of these guys, oh and they just they just told stories, and some incredible remarkable stories and it was it was i'll tell you one thing probably one of the most fun fun projects i've it was the most fun project i've ever worked on in my entire life yeah what were some highlights like what were some of the most fun things that stick out to you mm. i would say one of the biggest parts is uh, it was a chapter that's called um why we play and in this chapter people talk about you know the reason behind the music um, and I think, you know, there's always that moment when you're watching a film and I guess you get a little bit, bit of, um, I don't know how to describe it. You kind of get a little bit of chills watching it cause it's, it's, it's touching, you know, it touches a nerve, but yeah. it's, everybody's just basically talking about why they're playing music. And I think that's one of the highlights of the film. Um, you know, Andy, the, the drummer for the players band basically says it's more of a spiritual connection and. He says, like, when he goes to shows, he's he's miserable because he's like, I don't belong out here. I belong up there playing. Oh, wow. You know, um, and I think um, the whole thing with, with the money and, and when you get older, like, some of the topics people were talking about, they were saying, you know, we're not playing in our parents' basement anymore. We're not playing, living out of a van, traveling across the country, trying to sell enough T-shirts to, to you know, to be able to buy food for your next show on the road this is more like we all have jobs we all have money we do it because we love to do it and it's fun and it's a lot of fun and that's why we're still doing it after all these years Um, we're still making records you know we may not be touring the country we're not um you know or you know we don't have like the big following on facebook or you know or instagram we don't have all the followers we go play these shows and, and you know there might be 20 people there but you know what we will give it. We will go all out and give yeah. it our all to make it fun and make it I mean, fun for the to. people that are there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome, and mm-hmm. and to me, that's pretty inspiring. Inspiring because mm-hmm. talking to you, and mm-hmm. I've talked to Dave about this. Mm-hmm. I've listened to Brian talk about this. Um, mm-hmm. Just like 
you know, getting older, but still feeling the need to play, feeling the drive to play. To me, that's really inspiring because I'm trying to get to or I'm kind of getting to that age where it's like, well, this obviously isn't going to be a career for me, but it's still something I love to do and it's fun. Right. So I guess, um, did you ever have a moment where, um, I don't know if I want to call it frustration or a moment of decision. Let's call it a moment of decision. Did you ever have a moment where you were like, maybe I should just stop this or? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think after, uh, I got married and, and it was getting ready to get married in, in late 98, I took a break cause I had to, I mean, I had been playing since I was, I guess I was almost 30 years old then, but I had been playing since I was 13. And, you know, playing, and at some point in time, I was playing in multiple bands. Five When I was in college, I was working full-time, and I was playing in five bands at the same time. That's insane. So, I mean, it was just go, 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 and that's just how I am. I mean, that's how, you know, even though now I'm playing in two bands, it's like, you know, I made a film because it's just not enough for me. I'm always wanting to go, but I did get burnt out, and in 98... I was looking to get married, settle down, have some kids, and just take a break from it for a while. And I wouldn't say there wasn't anything that caught, there wasn't anybody or anybody in the band or anything that caused me to say, I, I, I don't like this anymore. I think my mentally and physically, it was just, it was just all too much. I had too much going on, and I just needed to break, take a break for a while. So, knowing full well I was going to come back to it so you know I did that and then I ended up moving to Delaware for five years I didn't expect that to happen my work moved me to Delaware so didn't play at all out there because I didn't know anybody out there so um, but sure enough I come back move back to Maryland first thing that happens my cousin uh, Eddie Tolan again he was he was here a few minutes ago uh, played with me in feedback gives me a call says hey we need a bass player we're putting together another project and right back into it you know I did that for a while and then um Sure enough, my buddy Cabbage gives me a call and he said, "Hey, me and me and Kearney got it going out here, and and my, I I bought this house out here, multiple acres in uh, Woodstock, Maryland, and we got, you know, we need a bass player." So uh, I did. I was, did you? Was there any hesitation? I was no or? hesitation at all because, you know, music is an outlet. It's a, it's a it's a relief of stress. It's your everyday stress you have. You know, your your jobs, your kids. I mean, just anything that that can. That can be stressful. It's it's your outlet. You got to have an outlet. There's no way you can get through life without having some type of outlet, whether it's music, whether it's sports, or or whatever your whatever your gig is. But I mean, without having something like that, I mean, there's not much to live for, in my opinion. Yeah, you got to have something. Yeah. And um, so to kind of jump back a bit, you mm-hmm. talked about how a lot of your crew came up through St. Joe's. Mm-hmm. Um, what was like special about St. Joe's? What was in the water there? You think that that got you all together? <laughs> It's amazing because that was one of my inspirations for the film because I, I sit back and, and you kind of, I guess when you get a little bit older, you kind of sit back and look look back on your life and you're like, the amount of talent coming out of that school and not just out of that school, but out of that 1989 class, it, it's remarkable. It blows, it blows my mind. I mean, you can go across the street here to this Italian restaurant here. and uh, Franco's, there, I think it is. Yes, there's our, our art teacher from Mount St. Joe has his paintings all over that wall in Franco's. But uh, but that art teacher, and then we all were in that class, and just just looking around, like everybody that was playing music, all of us pretty much were artists. So we could all paint. We could all do all these things. Um, the town of the skateboarders, having two pro skaters coming out of that same class. And then the music, which I think the music will speak for itself in this film, I'm telling you, because the music really drives the film. I mean, there's not very many 
moments of silence in this film. It mm. is it is interviews, it is old footage, and there is music nonstop. It is it is a long film. It's two and a half hours long. Oh, that is yeah. For a 30, 30 year story, you know, I could cut. I can only cut a pack so far, yeah, but. Right. But um, absolutely, I think that that Mount St. Joe class and the talent coming out of that class is to me just boggles the mind because, I mean, I had my brother was two years ahead of me. I mean, I mean, there just and even in any other classes, there just wasn't any kind of talent. There, I mean, there was talent, but but just our specific friends and that group of friends, the talent that we that we had and we still have to this day, just it blows my mind. It really does. And, and people can think, oh well. You know, well, we had some good artists in our high school class and good musicians, blah, blah, blah. But I'm talking about the, the skills of, of painting and writing and creating music and, and actually taking everything is good enough to get it to the next level. Um, like extraordinary, not just good. I think it's all quite extraordinary. And um, so to broaden that out a bit, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of bands that have come out of Catonsville, obviously, mm-hmm. and you're you're doing a documentary on a certain section of them. Um, yeah. So what is it about this town, you think, that, that kind of nurtures bands, nurtures music? Well, a lot of it had to do with, um, number one, there's Bill's Music House here on Frederick Road, uh, which is, I mean, in the mid-Atlantic region, it's one of the biggest... Um, music stores now when you lived here you know you just got hopped on your skateboard you, you you rode your skateboard down and you would look in that store and you would see guitars and drums and amps and just i mean it's something to say about when you're looking at all these things all the time you're going to want to buy something at some point <laughs> yeah. you're going to want to play something or learn how to play something i think that had a lot to do with it i think also um well it wasn't just bill's music house there's multiple music stores on this corridor here on frederick road where we're, where we're sitting here um there was also record and tape traders that um was more of like uh it, it was such a great record store because you know it, it wasn't like the sam goody or, or like the corporate owned record store they had they had like a punk rock vinyl section i mean just sold a tremendous amount of really cool um, underground music that influenced a lot of the people around here you know, you know, people were, we weren't listening to the Backstreet Boys or anything like that. We were listening to Minor Threat and, and the Circle Jerks and, 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 the, and the replacements, you know. So the, that hard-driven style of music that we, that we got and that influenced us was right there, right? You know, like I said, you hop on your skateboard and you're right there at the record store and you had all the access to all this. So this was this town. You know, there were some people, like I think Dave Linnitu mentioned in the movie, that his his wife Cassie lived down in, in Southern Maryland in St. Mary's County, and they had to drive like an hour and a half to get to a record store or to oh, a, wow. a music shop to where, they, where they're selling things. I mean, but to have everything right there and drive, driving distance, walking distance, um, that's why I think there's so much talent. And unfortunately, you know, to cover all the talent coming out of Catonsville because there was so much talent, so many great bands, and I wish I could have touched upon more. It's just impossible. So I had to I had to cut it back and focus on just just you know, just my friends. And and unfortunately, you know, even the female bands coming here, unfortunately I wasn't able to, to really touch upon that because Mount St. Joe was an all boys school. Right. And that's where we went. So you know, there was a lot of great female musicians coming out of here still to this day. Um, so there's a lot more stories to be told. And I've actually started a film company called uh, Sunrider 9 Productions. And my intention is to start making affordable videos for, for music bands, for bands that's not going to cost thousands of dollars. And also continue on this film and, and, and put out more films. Maybe even maybe even do a Catonsville Music City Maryland Volume 2 to touch that's upon some of the acts that I wasn't able to t- touch upon, you know, in the first one. 
Cool. Well, we hope yeah. we to see more in the future then. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So this scene was a little bit before my time, but um. So I, I'm kind of interested in that as a as a female musician. Where, mm-hmm. So there were a lot of um women playing music, and what was the reception to them? Like, well, it- there was one band, and uh, God, I, I, I'm drawing a blank. I can't even think of it. But they used to play down at Maxis on Broadway with us a lot, and I, and I follow them on Facebook, and I, to this day I still follow them, and I. <laughs> drawing a blank i can't think of their I'm name sorry. but um but ex- excellent i mean you know just so much appreciation for for that you know and even in the next generation you know like your music scene um i have friends now that play uh in a band called foghound and foghound's mm-hmm. bob sipes from foghound is a good friend of mine good friends with everybody in this music scene that that's that's touched upon in the film and his wife plays in foghound and okay. it's just um you know, for her to be in that that style of music is just to me is, is very inspiring um, because that's like that's stoner rock. You know, when you think of stoner rock, you know, you think total sausage fest, right, yeah. you know, guys that go into the bar with the long hair, you know, just you, you just don't see that these mm-hmm. days. And and there's been quite a few. And actually, she plays in another band that's an all female band now, and your band as well, I would say. uh me and my girlfriend were very impressed seeing you. Oh, at, thank you. At the, um, we played at the Metro together, and when Stone Dust Riders had our CD release party, you were there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we really enjoyed the music and oh. had a great time. Uh, so that's very inspiring, you know. Appreciate and, it. And I have my like my daughter, you know, she's. I just bought her, you know, a ukulele for her uh, her birthday a few months ago. You know, nice. so I'm just like push, you know, you push it on everybody, male, female, it doesn't matter, but. It, to me, it's it's great it's great to see that, and um, I mean, I just we just all of us, and it's not just me. All of us just love all styles of music, mm-hmm. everything that come that comes out of, especially the local music scene. You got to go, you got to support the local mu- music scene, and as Brian Lutz said in the film, because if you don't go out there and support this this scene, it'll it'll disappear and it'll go away. So. Well, we hope that doesn't happen. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so talking about different styles that influenced everything, um, mm-hmm. I know you, you had mentioned punk is a big thing. And I know there's yep. a big crossover for punk and skateboarding. They mm-hmm. kind of have gone hand in hand. Yeah. So um, talk to me a little bit about the nexus of skateboarding and the music scene that you are a part of. Uh, you know, you had two pro skaters. Yeah. Well, so, you know, back, there was these there was these things at Thrasher. I think it was Thrasher Magazine. They would put out these these. Um, VHS tapes, you know, they would come out every so often, and you would watch these things, and um, it, it would be skateboarding, and you, they would have, a, you know, all this music that, that went hand in hand. So, the bands that played on those VHS tapes that came out, they were all punk rock bands. Mm-hmm. So, if you're going to be there at, you know, getting into the punk scene, I used to skate at Cascades. Um, I, I wasn't a big vert skater, I did a more of a street skating thing, but, um, like you would have your boombox there and on your boombox, you know, at all these ramps and all these things, you know, you might have a little bit of um, a little bit of hip hop here and there, Beastie Boys or something like that. But um, or even some Sabbath, ACDC. But for the most part, um, you're listening to that whole um, discord record scene from D.C., mm-hmm. which, you know, primarily focused from Minor Threat. And those bands, you know, and then you have the also the California scene coming out of Orange County, which was. Uh, Black Flag, you had Circle Jerks out there. Um, you know, those ta- those bands rolled in town. You know, they played right downtown on Utah Street at the, at the loft. So, 
you know, when you were a skateboarder, you would skate all day, and at nighttime, you would you would scrape up some change, try to hitch a ride down there, maybe take the bus down there, and go to the club. And that's the bands that would that that would play there. It was it was it was actually incredible to actually have those shows here in Baltimore. You know, to have that right there. So the influence having the skateboarding and that influence, um, you know, pushing this this microcosm of of a uh, of a community out. Uh, the influences to me is just it's mind-boggling but you know even the bands that play like juice that play more of the punk rock they loved all styles of music i mean those guys i mean their singer kurt Weber. i mean i mean he was torn with the grateful dead so i mean oh, really so wow. we just you know my band sporadic sun jam we were more of a you could call us more of a jam band um circle nine more of a hard rock not really that that punk rock but dave lenitude his biggest influence is punk band the mm. replacements i mean throw you know sorry mom forgot to take out the trash you know yeah, that, have you ever sweet. listened to that album it's it's all punk rock it's early mm. punk rock so so and then we've all just sort of evolved from that point in time so really all kinds of goes hand in hand it sounds like it yeah. does absolutely yeah. um so so you were listening to a lot of the discord bands and the dc scene is definitely mm. well documented the dc scene from the 80s has a lot of attention yeah. so um tell me a little more about what was going on from baltimore and from catonsville at that time like what mm-hmm. what um uh, were there like differences or was there like a lot of overlap between those bands your discord bands and are you talking about compare comparing the dc scene with the baltimore scene yeah essentially um i mean i wasn't too aware of any like any punk rock bands coming out of catonsville mm. not not a whole lot i think the guitar player for the misfits um i think he's actually on that catonsville music city mural that my friend ian herrick painted <laughs> um played for is i don't know if it was dan zager or the misfits but but he was a catonsville guy oh i had no lived, idea lived on overbrook um i can't i can't think of his name i'm horrible with names by the way <laughs> it's, it's, okay. it's always draws, draws me, too. me too but um anyway um his murals painted down there but he was part of that that sort of scene um but there wasn't really like dc had the discord scene there wasn't really any scene like that in baltimore that that i know of or bands from baltimore that were more i mean there was probably a, a a ton of punk bands but not none that were as successful and and influential as what was going out of dc sure. i would say yeah. yeah okay and um so i also wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh uh making the movie like mm-hmm. technically so um where did you find all of the older footage like how did you go about collecting things yeah um well, you gotta love facebook these days because <laughs> i mean it's it's just a tremendous wealth of information right there but um what i was doing is is i came across it, you know this was one of the ideas for the film because i came across this old vhs tape and it had me and dave lenitude and a lot of the guys in the film playing we were playing in a cover band at the time at this uh at this crab house in catonsville that was called spittles that i actually used to work at and uh, i I find this thing and i'm like you know what it would be really cool because i didn't have a a vcr no one has vcrs anymore so i (laughs) I started convert i converted that to digital and then i found some other stuff and it just started escalating i'm getting all this footage and i'm like wow i'm getting all this footage and and i'm paying money to this this company uh, to convert it to digital so then I can put it on YouTube and share it with everybody and then I got the idea of like wow you know I could really take all this stuff and throw a camera in front of a few of these people in these bands and easily put together a documentary mm-hmm. because you know you combine the footage uh, with some current recent footage you know of bands playing 
in modern times and just let these people tell their stories. But, um, you know, the, the individual bands like Josh Bolton from Juice, he had a, a collection of all their old footage that he sent to me. Um, Dave Lenintude and I were in a band called Circle Nine. Now, Circle Nine, tremendous band. And we put together a film back in the mid-90s, and the film was called Cracker Gets the Cheese. Oh, okay. So yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. We actually ran skits. So we actually, there's... The Cracker Gets the Cheese film is about an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. But anyway, it's got all live footage of us playing. And in between each live footage are these absolutely ridiculous skits that we would do. <laughs> and uh, like comedies. I mean, just some of it was comedy, some of it was serious, but it was ridiculous. So that's another one that was a big inspiration for this film because I took that from uh, Joe Gallagher, our guitar player from Circle Nine. I took it and I had it transcribed transcribed or, or converted over to digital shared it with these guys and i'm like well, look at this and i put it all up on youtube i do have a youtube channel i think it's called jd barth it might be music city maryland or something like that okay. if People you want to check it, it out, it out. <laughs> if you want to check it out there also some of it might be on um uh, my website sunrider9.com is my is my production company website which will give you uh details on the film and anything that's coming up in the future on future film projects. And if you are interested in getting anything done as far as film projects or music videos for, for your individual bands, feel free to message me. Um, my, my email address can be found on my website, sunrider9.com. Okay. Okay. Everybody check that out and get some awesome videos made. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, in terms of getting the interviews, um, now a lot of these people are part of your friend group. So was it pretty easy to track most people down? I know some of them live far away, you said. Yeah. But. Well, there was Skype for the people. Uh, one of the guys actually lives all the way out in like Malaysia. So, oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. But he has Skype and uh, Josh Bolton lives in California. I, uh, I got him through Skype and I got uh, Brent Knuckle and Kevin Beebe of Juice uh, that live in Florida through Skype. Um, you know, it doesn't look that great, you know, but when you're, the interview is not just, the camera's not just in front of them the whole time they're mm-hmm. talking. I mean, I'm cutting in and out of footage, so it works, you know. Yeah. And then... Um, hey, and that's kind of a punk rock in itself. You take <laughs> what you have and make it as good as Exactly. You can. Do it yourself is the whole thing with punk rock and skateboarding, yeah. right? So, and then there was one guy that nobody has heard from in a long, long time. And this guy is the front man. This guy is all 100% energy of, of the band Juice, Kurt Reisenweber. He was captain of the St. Joe football team. He was captain of the St. Joe lacrosse team. This guy was just insane. I mean, talent-wise, I mean, just just great. Nobody, nobody could find him. Huh. I found him. <laughs> Lives downtown in Baltimore still. So Oh, and just I, everyone lost touch with him and he was still right yes, here? Yes. I got a hold of him and uh, I, I, I got him in for an interview. I went downtown one day. I, I met him across, across from uh, the Meyerhoff Symphony Hall and, and did his interview. But other than that, everybody was, was, was pretty much still here. Mm-hmm. If they were away, I, I would just get their phone number, text them, and they'd be like, yeah, I want to be on this. Everybody was so excited to be a part of the project. Yeah, that's cool. And um, so what do you think that, um, what do you think, or let me rephrase that. Mm-hmm. What do you hope that the documentary will, will show people or what will it say? I want, it, I want it to inspire young the younger generation, the guys that, because there's so many people that say, you know, I want to play music and I'm, it's all or nothing. Like, I want the big record deal. I want to get famous. I want to be, you know, 
this huge superstar. It's that or I just don't play anymore. Well, you know what? That's not what this is about. That's not what playing music's about. And if that's your gig, go for it, man. Good luck with that. But, you know, this is more to inspire people to just make it a lifelong like music is is, is a lifelong style it's it's your life music becomes part of, is a big part of your life and and you know get together with your buddies and 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 make some songs but you know in this day and age you know with technology you you can make a record with literally hardly any money you know i have a buddy that has a uh you know, a recording studio, make some records, have fun. It's a great outlet. And it's not about the big money. It's not about the big record contracts. Cause I can tell you that's all a bunch of garbage and nonsense. And it's all a bunch of, it's a corrupted system. It's, you know, they buy you, they, they control you. Uh, they make your lives miserable. So if you want to become a musician and you are, are the next generation, do it because you, the love of doing it. It's not about the contract. It's about doing it right then, right then and right now because it's fun and uh i can't say enough about uh, i would never change if i were to go back on my life and, and change i wouldn't change a goddamn thing in my life because i really enjoy uh everything with my friends and the bonds formed the friendship and it's part of this community here in Catonsville. it's just been tremendous and uh if you want to if you want to play music it needs to be done that's amazing. Not for the for the money. Um, yeah, take a little pause. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that that that's great. That's a great reason to do it. And um, yeah, and also like statistically, like you're not. It's very unlikely you're going to get record label support anyway well, so it's also kind of <laughs> it's like being a football player in high school like oh you know i'm gonna be in the nfl like good yeah, luck with that yeah, right. you know you the know stars really have to align exactly but, uh um, bear with me but you know you're gonna go through some heartaches if you're if you want to be a lifelong musician you're gonna have your ups and downs just like anybody yeah. else you're gonna you might lose some friends along the way but but the other thing a part of the music life is it's a marriage you know when you're in a band with three four five different guys or girls it's hard. You got to get along with these people. You know, it's a marriage, so it's it's a lot of work. But I think it's, in the end, it's it's a tremendous amount of fun. It's tr- it's it's the relief of of stress, and it's a great outlet. And then you can sit back when you make that first CD, and you can sit back, and and put that thing in your car and start driving around town with yeah. that thing cranked up. Man, there is no better feeling in the world. Yeah. No. And 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 being on stage like with with a bunch of your friends, there's, yeah. it's it's a rush. It's oh, a yeah. rush. So, um, yeah, uh, I want to I want to um, talk to you a little bit about Stone Dust Riders. But is there any more about the movie that you want people to know? Or um, oh, when's the release date? Let's mention that. Uh, the release date. We're trying to have this uh, the film premiered at May 18th at the Hollywood and Arbutus. Right now is is our hopeful destination for this thing. Um, we're planning to do a showing of four o'clock. We're doing an early showing. The reason being is because what our plan is to have a, a show after the film. So we're going to have some people coming in town, and a lot of the bands featured in the film will be playing in the show. So um, the show is, is probably going to be uh, – that's to be determined yet, too. We're trying to shoot for uh, somewhere in Catonsville. 
We're trying to rent a hall here. If we can do that, the Knights of Columbus or someplace like that, because we need something big. A lot of the clubs we play at downtown Baltimore right now, like Mums and places like that, they're just not big enough to hold the, the capacity that we're probably going to end up drawing yeah. from this film premiere and the, and the, and the show following that. But um, Are there a lot of places to play in Catonsville still? I'm, I'm not super familiar. Uh, as far as uh, venues in Catonsville, there are nowhere, there's nowhere in Catonsville that still has bands. When I lived here, we used to play at a place called G. Shacks, which used to be called Maloney's. Um, we used to play at a place called T. Applesmiths on Route 40, which is no longer there. So uh, there was also a place called the Mill Race. So there was three venues when we were in high school and college that we used to play at. Those places are gone. Um, well, Shacks is still there, but they don't have live music. So I will say right now, depending on what happens here, my... Uh, Another objective of mine is to buy the wallpaper company on Frederick Road, which is this big, giant building, like two blocks away, and to create a huge music venue of, of nothing but original local bands. Oh, wow. That's my one of my life lifetime goals. We'll see if it ever happens. But the place is still sitting there, and it's for sale. So yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to do. That would be awesome. <laughs> but, uh, More venues, the better. Exactly. But for now, I mean, there's, there's a lot of halls and stuff that, like, we have, like, reunions and and high school reunions and there's bands that play around here but we usually you have to rent a hall for something like that usually there's a lot of people involved okay uh all right then um uh so so with stone dust riders you've mm -hmm. been in have you been in a, the band from the beginning yes, or? yes. Oh, okay i'm the original bass player for the, jeff newman was the original bass player that played with um sean kearney and cabbage so they played in bands called melee bold dust um and then jeff and cabbage played in a band called lumber those guys played around for years, but um, I didn't. I didn't play with them. But uh, when I saw those guys getting together, they asked me. Jeff wasn't able to play, so I, I basically was the original bass player for Stone Dust Riders. Unfortunately, when we were together, only about a year, uh, we lost Jeff. Uh, um, sorry. It was very tragic. We we had played a show at Peppers in Ocean City that weekend. We all came back and found and heard the news and. Um, I mean, I wasn't as close to Jeff as, as Cabbage and Sean, but, um, you know, it was, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say. It was, can I, um, it was tragic. Can I, can I ask what happened? Was it like an accident or something? It was, it was an overdose. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, he, he had struggled for a number of years. Yeah. Um, I will say this though about Jeff Newman is he was probably the most talented out of every musician that I've played with and that, especially in my group of friends. He was by far the best songwriter and the most talented musician uh, out of anybody that I know. And that says a lot because there is a tremendous amount of talent. Mm -hmm. But uh, and just an absolute great guy. So we, we, we miss him dearly. Yeah, moving on after a loss like that must mm -hmm. have been like really difficult. Uh, how did you guys yeah. do that? Did, did you take a while off? And No, we didn't. Actually, we went into the studio uh, about three months later and, mm -hmm. and we started recording um, our our first and only release volume one stone dust riders is available on itunes and it's available on uh, amazon itunes youtube it's, it's out there it's everywhere Bandcamp, any anywhere you can you can look or check out music so stone dust riders volume one was was a lot of it was written by jeff newman so the some of those songs well, I, I would say maybe about half the songs were written by jeff newman so it's quite inspirational to go in the studio after his passing and and just to put his it's something he had he had strived for, and him and Sean uh, always wanted to have uh, a good recording of those songs. And it was just, 
it felt really good to get, be able to get in the studio and put his songs, you know, and release his songs, even though he wasn't playing on them, but just to release the songs yeah. that he had written. So to kind of feel a little bit of a memorial then, yeah. it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So so after you got back to things after that loss, um, mm-hmm. it, it, you have this long history. How have things changed over the years for, for the band and in the sense of like, mm-hmm. you know, the music scene's always changing. So how yeah. has your guys' role changed? Well, I mean, right now, I think one of the biggest things with Stone Dust Riders uh, specifically would be, I know... Sean Kearney, our, our singer songwriter, is he writes all the music. You know, him he used to collab- collaborate with Jeff, but uh, originally he used to write about the songs of of addiction problems. You know, of getting fucked up or getting arrested and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Well, that that has moved on from Sean, who's a re- also a recovering addict. That's moved on to him writing about more inspirational things. Uh, you know, he's writing now about you know how he kicked the habit and how he's, how life's better now and how how things have gone and turned and taken a turn for the better for him. And, um, and the songs to me, I think are more genuine and they're, to me, they said they're better songs. Um, you know, so that's been a big part of it, of what he's doing now. Um, but you know, and Sean's, you know, coming out of that and be able to, to, to get through that. I mean, that's tough. I mean, I, yeah. I, I got people in my family that are addicts and oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to, to, a kick i mean it it destroys lives it destroys families and relationships and everything else so so it's very inspirational to see what sean's doing right now because Mm -hmm. he's he's coming in there now he's he lost his best friend and he sees that there's this opportunity now to to inspire people and he and and i think even the words he put in the film it's it's not about it's more about making the world maybe not better but maybe a little bit less fucked up Mm -hmm. is his words he used you know (laughs) he's trying to inspire people you know, because you, you have a shitty day, you get stuck in traffic, you have a shitty day on your job, but then you go to a show and, and like, you hear a song or you hear a band, you know, and your whole perspective and your whole life changes just in that instant. And, you and you know, you have this better outlook, positive outlook on life. Oh, man, that is great. So yeah. it, it, there's a lot of inspiring things that you've brought up um, mm-hmm. through you know through some hardships you know Mm -hmm. that this film sounds inspiring the work that your band's doing now sounds inspiring um Mm -hmm. so i don't even know what the question i have Mm -hmm. is going to be but like um how important is that to your life oh it's it's huge you know music's such a big part of my life not just playing or performing or writing it just in all aspects i mean you know when i come home from work i put all that music on and it might drive some people in my family a little yeah. bit crazy, but it, it is on nonstop, one, 24-7 in my film. And and just the power of music, I think, is so inspiring to, to me and, and just in every aspect of everyday life. You know, when you, you, you're struggling, you're having a bad day at work, I put those headphones on. And, and, you know, in an instant, you know, you put on a good playlist, you know, a good mixtape will put you in the right mood, I think, is what, what the Beastie Boys used to sing. Mm-hmm. But, um it changes everything, man. It's so powerful, and and what what it can do, and it's a powerful tool for films too, yeah. uh, and and a storytelling tool. So just every part of it. I mean, I'm just I can't say enough great things about it, and and how it's touched me, and touched the, and it and how it's touched this community, and brought so many people together. And the fact that you're talking about people that are in high school playing playing in bands, you're going 30 years in the future. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know how many people that have high school friends that they're still hanging out with they're still 
talking to all the time. They still get together with their friends from high school all the time. Yeah. Do you think you that know? would be even be possible for you without music? It like, wouldn't have been. Yeah. No, I would have lost touch with these people. I mean, it's just if you could compare it parallel to a football team, you know, you might have a couple of buddies or a buddy or two on your football team from high school if you guys were kind of good, a good team or something. But you go 30, 40 years down the road, I guarantee you, you're not talking to anybody in that team. You're not. Yeah. You're not. Maybe a guy or two. That's that's about it. But this is a lifelong bond, all formed around the power of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah. But before I forget to kind of jump back to the movie itself, I forgot mm-hmm. to ask this. Did, is this your first uh, movie you've made, or have you made others? It's my first film. As a matter of fact, um, the funny story is <laughs> my niece... Uh, my niece Trish, uh, when I got my iPhone 8, she said, hey, you know, there's this app. It's called iMovie. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What do you do with this thing? And this was November of 2017, okay? So November 2017. So I start playing around with this thing, right? And I actually did a promo video, including your band, I think, was in one of the promo oh, really? videos. Nice. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on <laughs> Facebook, but but I did a promo video of our of our CD release party. So I started playing with this thing, and I'm like, Wow. And then I started Googling what this thing could do, this iMovie app. So I was like, well, I think I could probably do a full-on total feature documentary with this phone. And I can probably edit the entire thing with this phone. And you know what? That's just what I did. That's amazing. I wow. actually did all – I had a filmmaker from Towson that did some of the film work, that did some of the scenes, but I actually filmed – and edited pretty much the entirety of this two-and-a-half-hour film on my phone. That's amazing. <laughs> iPhone 8. It's wow. amazing. Technology. So, yes, this is my first film. Um, and I plan on doing a lot more. But I, I do have, with my production company, I do have, now I have filmmakers that, that have been doing this thing for these things for 25 mm-hmm. years that are going to be helping me out on future projects. I guess it's becoming a more <laughs> common thing. Like, there was this one movie, uh, I don't remember if it was just out on Netflix or if it was, like, big release but uh tangerine this movie tangerine was made on an iphone no way so i guess it's um i guess That's it's like wild. becoming more of a thing yeah yeah so, i mean I, i'm not surprised at all because this thing films and uploads in 4k ultra not just 1080p not just high definition but actually 4k ultra which i mean picture quality is i mean it's state of the art i mean to be able to take a, a cell phone and and hook it up to a you know i did buy lighting and all that all the and, and, and microphones and all that, you know, some some professional things. And it cost me a lot of money. And actually, the I will plug uh, here, Studio Unknown is right down the street here in Cadenceville. Studio Unknown, they actually, I did have to pay a lot of money for them to do the sound mixing. Because sure. otherwise, you know, if you're filming everything on a phone and you listen to two and a half hours, like one band might sound like, you know, the volume is way up Super through the roof loud. and the next band you can't hear. So they balanced everything out. So, you know, it, for a budget, for, I mean, for this for this sort of a film, it I think all in all it was five thousand dollars. That's all I paid. That's amazing. And three thirty-one movie for five thousand dollars. And thirty-one hundred dollars went to this <laughs> studio. I know they did a tremendous job mixing the sound and everything else. But I mean, everything else was just. I mean, I bought a drone. I bought. I bought lighting. I bought <laughs> microphones. <laughs> I didn't have to pay anybody anything because you know these are my friends, and I didn't have to pay for the rights for for music or anything because. It's all um, it's all you know, it's all independent fans. There's no, nobody's nobody's on a label. So yeah. <laughs> that's something you brought up um, the drone because that mm. shot down Frederick Road. So you took that? Oh yeah, oh, I, flew, okay. I flew the drone. I, I I learned to fly it in about a week. 
<laughs> you know, nice. it's easy. It's like remote control. It's really fun. Like, you know, I used to have remote control cars when you were, when I was a kid. You know, you just drive and same thing with a video game. So, you know, it's just it took me no time at all to learn how to fly that. And there was a lot, there's there's several scenes that I use the drone and it yeah. gives you that, that again that, that DIY theater. ethic. Yeah, yeah. Do, do it yourself exactly. I'm not going to hire somebody to do it. I want to buy it and do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> so that was probably the second biggest expense I had in the film. I think it was eight hundred dollars, but <laughs> for the drone, yeah. yeah. Well, you got some good shots out of it. Yeah. Um, um, I, I can't wait to see the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, what kind of things did you um, learn about making a movie on your first one that you might use for some of these other band videos you'd like to do? Oh, there's so much technical. Uh, there's so many technical things that I learned. I mean, my God, you know, even now when I'm doing the trailers, like I, I put a trailer out for the film. Um, like back on Friday and uh, even compared to when I put the first trailer out in October, I mean, you never stop learning with film. You never stop learning. So you can only get better from here. Um, I was very fortunate to, to have this as a documentary where most of it's footage. So you just got to kind of put it together. You know, you, you put the story together. The biggest thing when you're doing a film is make sure you're telling a story and make sure the story flows from point A to point B. It's, it's storytelling. It's all it is. When I'm putting these cameras in front of all these people for these interviews, they're all telling a story. But, you know, you can't tell a story from something from 1987. I mean, you can. You can, fl- you know, flash forward to 2012. But, you know, I, it's sort of linear. You have to figure out how to do it in a way but, that makes sense if you're going to do that. Editing yeah. is such a big part of it. And and it's not a, you know it's not about the big effects i'm not making a sci-fi film I, you know i'm not making star wars it's this is just a a feature film documentary on on bands and as long as the music sounds good and you can hear what the people are saying that's really all you need to <laughs> do it. Need. and to, i really would like to inspire other people to do it cuz it's not hard it's not hard at all to do well how did you approach the storytelling aspect like how did, mm-hmm. did did you decide to do it um more chronologically or how did you organize your thoughts on this well i I filmed every segment one at a time. So I, I would film like all the guys from Juice, then I filmed all the guys from like like Circle Nine, then all the guys from Sporadic Sun Jam. I just put them all in these little boxes, and I would cut each individual segment. You know, they each might have been a half hour long, and then basically I outlined chapters. You know, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and then I would take each segment and cut those segments into subsections, and just tried to decide where will they fit you know in each chapter and then i just put them each in in a specific chapter and it all just came together you know so you know the story is about this 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 and then i think there was really five or six major sections and just find out whatever the interview process or the footage what's going to fit in each of those chapters Okay. Spreadsheets help me a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so you really got into it. Spreadsheets, organizing everything. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, it might be a good time to wind things down, but I don't uh-huh. want to cut you off if you have any other thoughts about either the movie or the band that you want to share first. Um, anything no, you want to add? No. Or? Just, um, you know, support. I, have a, I do have one. There's a Facebook page uh, called Catonsville Music City, Maryland. You know, if you want to check it out, you can um, see the trailers there. There's trailers. There's outtakes on there. Um, there's and it's going to have all the information you want for the theater releases. Uh, it's going to be at some point streaming, probably on Amazon or iTunes. It's going to be streaming at some point on one of those one of those platforms. And um, other than that, no, um, check out Stone Dust Riders. 
Uh, Stone Dust Riders will be playing at um, the Maryland Doom Fest June on June the 23rd. So, Stone Dust Riders, please come support us and all your local music. Support all your local music. Yeah, Doomfest, that's a big deal. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I always um, I always wrap things up by asking the same question. Uh, yeah. I kind of asked you already about uh, what you learned about making the movie. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about what advice you would have for someone starting a band or someone younger, like maybe mm-hmm. try to figure out if this is something they want to do. There's there's really no there's really no textbook for it. Um, just go with your instincts. Go with your vibes. If don't ever think that you're not good enough because people will sit there and they'll criticize. The music is not about, it's not all about talent. It's really not. It's, it's all about energy and feelings and emotions and, and to be able to project those into a way that people can appreciate. I mean, do you think Bob Dylan can sing? Do you think Lou Reed can sing? Those guys can't sing, but they're two of my absolute favorite artists in the world. So don't, don't, just, don't get discouraged just do the best you can and go out there and, and do it for fun. And if it's passionate, if you're passionate about it, it doesn't matter what anybody in the world thinks about it. That's how I, out, I look at this film. I don't care if anybody, there's not one person out there in the world that does not like it. I don't give a shit. I had the best time in the world doing it, and it's, and it's a creative outlet. And to me, it, it's these, these stories and everything else is tremendous. So awesome. it's a big part of of my life and it should be a part of everyone's life and just don't get scared keep going keep going you know and stick it out with your buddies and your friends and uh and go out there and make music and have fun um that's about it cool cool well thanks so much dennis and um i'm very excited to see this movie i hope that the premiere is huge and thanks so much appreciate it thank you for having me